Welcome to the Daily Horror Habit Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Krieger, bringing you daily reviews of currently streaming horror movies for your twisted pleasure. Be aware that these reviews may include mild spoilers. And as always, I hope you enjoy. The day is finally here, the day I get to gush about David Cronenberg's body horror masterpiece, his 1986 remake of The Fly. The film is the ultimate merger of science and flesh and the ramifications for man's insatiable appetite for conquering the unknown. For better or worse, man once again casts aside consideration for his own happiness and health in search of the answers he seeks. Now, body horror has always been synonymous with David Cronenberg's career. From his early work with films such as Shivers to The Brood to Videodrome, Cronenberg's fascination with manipulating and merging human flesh with technology has always yielded memorably disturbing results. And The Fly is no exception, and possibly his strongest constructed film to date. And in part four of my series review of The Fly, I break down why Cronenberg's goopy practical effects-driven film is not only a fantastic remake, but one of the best practical effects-driven horror films of all time. As far as remakes go, they don't get better than this. I suppose part of the genius of the remake is how it strips the concept of the original down to its bare necessities, which truly allows for Cronenberg to put his defining stamp on it. Gone is the family lineage of the Delambres, and what remains is a man priming himself for gene-splicing destruction. The film opens with the eccentric scientist Seth Brundle, played by Jeff Goldblum, who meets journalist Veronica, played by Gina Davis, at a party. In a bid to entice her, Seth invites her back to his apartment for a look at the future. See, Seth has invented telepods, or teleportation devices that he's built, which he believes will reinvent 21st century travel. But the pods aren't finished, as only inanimate objects can go through safely, and this is where Cronenberg's obsession with flesh comes in handy. As with the best mad scientist stories, and certainly in line with the original films, Seth's obsession with reaching his desired results causes him to accelerate his device's clinical testing trials. We see the ramifications of this almost immediately as he quickly graduates from successfully teleporting Veronica's stalking, with no issues, to teleporting a chimpanzee, which turns inside out. An example of the ambition of the mind being far faster than the mind's understanding of the forces it's attempting to harness. The first 30 minutes of the film is imperative to understanding Seth's obsession with success and his eventual relationship with Veronica. Whereas the previous films all featured romances, they were largely superficial, serving little narrative importance. Here, Cronenberg solidifies Seth and Veronica's relationship as the foundation of the film. A twisted love story for the ages. It should come as no surprise that Goldblum and Davis are absolutely fantastic as the quickly smitten couple. Davis eats up Goldblum's zany demeanor as she fuels Goldblum's desire to impress her with his intellect. This is bolstered by writer Charles Edward Pogue and Cronenberg's script, containing a lot more playful dialogue than I remembered between the couple. This fuels the duo's dynamite relationship, making for a genuinely compelling romance that makes the film's inevitable disaster all the more heartbreaking. Something that I had forgotten was just how finely tuned this genre-splicing nightmare is. The first 30 minutes primes the audience for the remaining hour, which quickly devolves into one of the strongest examples of disturbing 80s practical effects work. This comes to light as Brundle is feeling himself after a bottle of champagne, celebrating the success of teleporting a different chimpanzee successfully. Though, booze mixed with jealousy over the idea that Veronica is sleeping with her boss, 
he decides to volunteer himself for an impromptu human test trial with his teleporter. Talk about the ultimate worst case of liquid courage ever. If the Fly series has taught us anything, it's that this will certainly only end in tragedy. Moments before the pod closes behind Seth, a single housefly sneaks into the pod, and the pair's genes are spliced together. But here's where Cronenberg's vision of the fly greatly differs from the three films that came before it. The transformation is a gradual one. In past films, the fusion with the fly has been instantaneous with the test subject returning with fly limbs. By opting for a slower, more gradual changing of Seth Brundle, it truly tugs at the heartstrings of his relationship with Veronica, as forcing a spouse to watch as the man she suddenly fell in love with suddenly breaks down and changes before her eyes is one of the great modern tragedies within the horror genre. It also makes for some devilishly disgusting practical work by the creative team of makeup effects artist Chris Wallace, along with makeup artist Stefan Dupas. Seth's gradual transformation into Brundlefly begins simple enough. His body initially hasn't undergone any drastic physical abnormalities, other than he begins displaying feats of strength that seem superhuman for his body's framework. And while his athleticism has skyrocketed, the acts he is now capable of are not outside the realm of reality. Brundle merely attributes this to him pushing human evolution of the flesh forward, while Veronica begins to notice more changes to his personality. For starters, Brundle's diet solely consists of sugar, as he constantly gnaws on candy bars and pounds entire pints of ice cream. His clear skin is replaced with a hive of acne and scars more easily. Brundle also becomes manic and aggressive in his obsession with evolving the flesh, and talking about his desire to send Veronica through the telepod as well so she can become just like him. But Veronica, being the cunning and sleuth journalist she is, knows when to trust her gut and refuses this offer, or rather, this insistence of Brundle's. As a result, Brundle storms off into the night to find himself a female test subject. This is the audience's first bone-breaking example of his superhuman strength and aggression being mixed with one another. In a scene that haunted my dreams as a kid, Brundle gets into an arm wrestling match with a bar patron and subsequently breaks the man's forearm which pierces through his skin revealing a jagged bloody bone. The barfly he wins over the arm wrestling match asks him, are you a bodybuilder? To which Brundle coolly responds, yeah, I take apart bodies and put them back together. By this point in the film, Brundlefly's transformation is wrecking havoc on his physical body. His fingernails begin to fall out with the softest of tugs, his fingers spray pus at the slightest of pinches and he struggles to walk without the aid of crutches. Brundle describes it to Veronica as if he is dying from an accelerated form of cancer. As his body breaks down beyond belief, no sooner does Brundle say this than his ear falls off his head. His penchant for sugar has also completely overtaken his diet, as cases of crushed orange soda and donut boxes line the area of his apartment floor. His transformation is occurring before our very eyes, no matter how much he and Veronica would like it to stop. And now for a brief intermission. If you've been enjoying this episode of Daily Horror Habit, please take a moment to subscribe to the show on your preferred streaming platform or leaving a review on iTunes. And thank you for your continued support, which drives the show's success. And now, without further ado, let's get back to today's horrifying episode. If you were to remove the transforming into a mutant fly narrative for just a moment, the poignant predicament that the couple are in has some stark semblance of reality. And while of course his body breaking down is extreme, the reality is that the emotion between them is not far removed from watching a loved one succumb to a cancer or a debilitating disease. Every time you return to see them, a part of them is different, or is now aided by some sort of quality of life implement. A cane, a crutch, a walker, that person that you love is now reliant on something else to help them make it through their days. Granted, 
Granted, I would hope loved one's ears aren't falling off in front of you, but you get what I'm trying to say. These moments between Veronica and Seth hit a lot harder than you might think they would, and speaks to the complexities of Seth's character arc. Watching him go from a sweet to maniacal to pitiful to terrifying and then to scared is far more emotionally charged than a majority of Cronenberg's other works. And then, just as Brundle is seemingly on his last legs, his condition improves, sort of. He's able to walk unassisted and has his super strength and athleticism back, but at what cost? By this point in the film, if body horror isn't your thing, you probably should have stopped watching 30 minutes ago. And if you didn't, you may want to now. Not really though, just kidding. Brundle is completely unrecognizable at this point. A walking, bulbous, fleshy mass that resembles a burn victim more than a man. In addition to spitting out handfuls of teeth at a time, his chompers are replaced with crude jagged ones. What the viewer doesn't realize is that the exterior flesh we see is but the cocoon of what has been growing underneath that flesh. And what is underneath is far from human anymore. The final 15 minutes of the film are some of the most monstrous practical work that still haunts me to this day. A brief scuffle with Veronica results in her easily ripping Brundle's jaw completely off as he writhes seemingly in pain the rest of his face crumbles, revealing a fully formed fly head underneath, his very human one. He sheds the rest of his fleshy human skin prison, revealing a hulking, mutated fly monstrosity. It isn't just how Brundlefly looks, but how he hurts others that is a gruesome display of brutality. Rather than impale or rip off others' limbs, Brundlefly vomits an acidic slime that melts the limbs of Veronica's boss, who arrives in an attempt to save her from being sent through the teleporter. His hand and leg melt away, left with only stumps as he screams in pain, staring at his now smoldering limbs. And finally, it wouldn't be a Cronenberg film if flesh and technology weren't merged together at some point, and we see the ramifications of such. Brundlefly becomes inadvertently fused with part of the telepod after the teleportation sequence is interrupted, resulting in Brundlefly being fused together with pieces of the machine. The fly drags a tail comprised of cables and wiring, making for a meaty and wired monstrosity of a monster. The culminating event of this horrifying film is Veronica having no choice but to shoot her lover, who grabs the barrel of her shotgun and slowly presses it to his own mutated temple. It's an incredibly powerful scene, despite the violent and manipulative piece of shit that Brundle had become, you feel Veronica's pain. Had Goldblum and Davis not had such fantastic chemistry, Cronenberg's The Fly would have felt like a soulless practical effects show, which I'd obviously still enjoy, but this strong character-driven love story gives the film a quality that I find several of Cronenberg's other 80s works to lack. The Fly serves as one of the pillars of horror remakes, being a pure and unadulterated perversion of the flesh in the most goopy means possible. Spearheaded by dynamite performances and special effects teams, make this my favorite fly of the series thus far. Though, no offense to its sequel, The Fly 2, I'm sure nothing will ever top it for me. That being said, I'm more than excited to check out the 1989 sequel to The Fly, The Fly 2, directed by special effects coordinator Chris Wallace, which follows Seth Brundle and Veronica's child Martin Brundle, who begins to follow in his father's footsteps. An intriguing premise that has been tackled in Return of the Fly, so hopefully there will be more practical effects driven goodness and maybe a twist or two. So be on the lookout for the final chapter in my series review of The Fly next week with my review of The Fly 2. And that'll do it for another episode of Daily Horror Habit. I'll see you guys tomorrow for another Daily Horror movie review. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Daily Horror Habit on your preferred streaming service and follow at Daily Horror Habit on Instagram and at Daily Horror Pod on Twitter.